Welcome to the Small Ball Podcast. Welcome back to the Small Ball Podcast. Welcome back to the Small Ball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Small Ball Podcast, brought to you by Showcase Sports Media. I'm your host, Matt Gregory, and we have an exciting episode today. We've got a lot to talk about. All right, so first, we have big news. The St. Louis Cardinals still have not played. They're scheduled to play today, and as of two hours before the game, they're going to play. Uh, their start time is 12-10 on Saturday. It's 10:07. It looks like they're going to start that game. What's, what's weird about this is the Cardinals are going to be tasked with making up 55 games in 43 days. Do you understand how many doubleheaders they're going to have to play? People were already complaining about having to play 60 games in 70 days. 55 in 43 days, that's just going to take a massive toll on their pitchers. It's going to take a massive toll on their players. And especially since the roster's already shrunk to 28 now, um, that's just going to be really, really hard for them to manage. So I really hope their players all stay safe. I really hope there's no injuries. But the other interesting problem that brings up, something that makes me enraged, is that it's going to cause for the divisions to probably be one on winning percentage. Well, you may ask, how are they at a disadvantage? Well, you got to think about it. A team that goes 30 and 15 and a team that goes 20 and 10, one team won 30 games, one team stayed healthy for 45 out of 60, and one team only stayed healthy for 30. And in the St. Louis Cardinals situation, it's because they disobeyed protocol. So what really is getting under my skin here is that a team that doesn't play as many games is going to be rewarded just as a team that stayed healthy all year. And biasly, the Cubs, they, they're probably going to get all 60 games out because uh, through 17 games, they've had no positive tests. I knocked on wood, don't worry. Um, but yeah, like the fact that they stayed healthy and they obeyed protocol means that they should be at an advantage. Not that they should be at a disadvantage or that there should be an equal playing field for teams that haven't followed protocol. That's where the issue really comes in. Like, you got to look at it. If the Cubs go 40 and 20, they'd be surpassed by a team that goes 27 and 13. And that's just the Cubs, for example. Let's go to the Yankees. Say the Yankees go 40 and 20, right? Lord forbid. I really hope this doesn't happen. The Rays have an outbreak. But the, the Yankees go 40 and 20. Phenomenal season. They won 40 out of 60 in this tough season. That's awesome. But the Rays go 27 and 13. The Rays would have a better record and they would get the top seed in the playoff. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's honestly such an odd way to look at it, and it's honestly Rob Manfred just doing Rob Manfred things, just thinking way outside of the box, which sometimes is good, but in this case, it most definitely is not. And don't get me started on the fact that the teams that played less games, they'd have fresher arms. They almost feel like they don't have to play. They'd be feeling better about themselves. They'd be rewarded for not finishing the schedule. Think about having prime Max Scherzer going into the postseason, or in the Rays, prime Blake Snell, versus Garrett Cole, who threw as many innings as he could in the season because he wanted his team to win as many games as possible. So that, like, that just really gets under my skin. And then the fourth point is, you know the baseball purists, the people that are like, oh, we don't want the DH in the NL, we don't want the DH in the NL. The, the, the runner on second rule is dumb. Those people are already looking for a reason to write off this season. And that's just going to give them more and more ammunition to devalue this season. So honestly, the winning percentage thing, I really can't get behind it. Rob Manfred, congratulations. You really outdone yourself. You really, really, really are good at making your fans angry. This isn't even like this season. Like if this is how it's going to go down, if a 27 and 13 team surpasses a 40 and 20 team to make the playoffs, I know they'd both make it. But if the 27 and 13 team gets the one seed, then honestly, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I might have to boycott baseball. Just kidding. I could never do that. Next story. 
the one we've all been waiting for, Ramon Laureano. He's joined the Hall of Fame of guys who walk it like they talk it. Think about Amir Garrett took on the Pirates by himself. And one that you guys might not know about, Anthony Rizzo took on the whole Reds dugout. I'm going to go with a little backstory here. Anthony Rizzo was up to bat. Aroldis Chapman, back when he was still with the Reds, was in the game. You know, pumping 104, 105 because he's Chapman and he probably juices. Just kidding. Dude just lifts a lot. He throws a high and inside fastball to Rizzo. Rizzo doesn't like it. It's okay. Uh, Rizzo walks back to the dugout. I want to say Scott Baker or Reed Johnson. One of those two comes up to bat. Throws a high and in fastball at them. Uh, Rizzo goes, dude, you're throwing 105. Like, control your fastball. Kind of like the Astros situation, but not like the Astros situation. Rizzo goes, dude, control your fastball. Rizzo barked back at him. They just they little they do a little barking and back and forth and it's alright, whatever. Well, after Chapman strikes out the batter and he stares down the Cubs dugout. Well, Rizzo goes, dude, what are you looking at us for? You're the one who can't control your fastball. Like, congratulations, you struck him out. Go back. Rizzo proceeds to take on the whole Reds dugout by himself. He goes out to first base. They're barking at him again. He goes, you know what? I'm done. I'm coming over. He runs over, and he takes on that whole dugout by himself. That is when Anthony Rizzo became the captain of the Cubs. This is Ramon Laureano's moment to become the captain of the A's. Laureano's in the batter's box. He got hit three times. He got hit twice in one game, three times in a series. And you know what? He was like, I, I don't understand why you're throwing at me. He steps He steps out. He walks to first base. He kind of even, he actually did something really, really funny. He goes, hey, Castellanos, this is how you throw a slider. You, you bend it. You finish. He goes, what? He shows him how to finish his pitch. Ramon Laureano is a goon. He was just joking. He was just having good fun. He walks to first, stands on the base. Then the first base coach... For the uh, Astros, Alex Introne starts barking at him. Why is the first base coach barking at him? So Ramon Laureano steps off the mound, or steps off the base, and he goes, what? And he goes, come at me. The hitting coach called out the player. You know, Ramon Laureano charges the Astros dugout. He's actually taken down by a former teammate. We'll get to that in a second. And is stopped in front of the dugout. Ramon Laureano is a madman. I, I have so much love for the laser. Okay, and now, the people that are saying that this is because Laureano hates the Astros, actually, that's not true. In 2017, when the Astros cheated, Laureano was still in their, was in their organization. So it's not retaliation for the cheating that happened in 2017. The frustration from Laureano came from being hit twice in the game, and then uh, Astros hitting coach Alex Introne called him and his mother choice words and made aggressive movements toward him. So that's where the retaliation came from. It's not from Ramon Laureano hating the Astros because of what they did in their past, even though it looks that way in the media and it's making him look way better. It's actually just because he was hit. So this is not Astros retaliation. But, you know, Rob Manfred, probably going to rule it that, going to give him a huge suspension. Actually, so Alex Introne denied claims in basic Houston Astro form. Not surprising. He's denying what he actually did. Why? why? Well, at this point, like, they're all scumbags. Who cares? Just kidding. Um, no, no, they're actually scumbags. <laughs> uh, he denied calling him and his mother choice words and said he didn't even make aggressive movements toward Laureano. But he was still held accountable by MLB and was suspended for 20 games. I was thinking five to six for him, honestly, just because he didn't re- he didn't really throw a punch, he didn't push, he didn't really do anything. He was just kind of acting out of pocket. But he did initiate the brawl, so he was granted a 20-game suspension. 
Floriano suspension was looming, and we were all scared. We thought this was going to be 10 to 12 games. We thought that this was going to take him out for a good chunk of the season. But he eventually only received six games. And why is it important that he received six games? Well, Joe Kelly received eight games for not hitting anyone and making a face. So by Rob Manfred's initial judgment, charging a dugout is wor- is better than almost hitting a guy with a pitch. That just makes absolutely zero sense to me. But again, it's Rob Manfred. We we all know he's kind of a dum-dum. But eventually, after Loriano appealed, it was adjusted to four games. Honestly, that's fair. But what about Joe Kelly? Is it fair that he got eight games and Loriano got six? Well, MLB dressed and changed Joe Kelly's to five games. But the point is, Loriano still is getting less games. Like they both got their got their uh, they both got their suspensions lowered. But the fact is that Loriano is still serving less of a suspension than Joe Kelly, and Joe Kelly didn't even really do anything wrong. Like, he mocked Correa, he didn't hit Bregman, yes, he got close, but he didn't, and Joe Kelly hadn't thrown a fastball for a strike that whole inning. Let me remind you all of that again. Joe Kelly, the same guy who threw a changeup through a window when he had a 20-foot net in front of him, we're not going to pretend that Joe Kelly had control there. Joe Kelly is a guy that he throws his fastball down the middle on accident sometimes, and it gets taken 650 feet. Just ask anybody on the Astros. But we're, we're going to back off from that. We're going to back off from that. Free Joe Kelly. We love Ramon Laureano. Man is a savage. All right. Now we're going to go into the Cleveland Indians scandal. Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger, they broke protocol while they were in Chicago playing the White Sox. Are we surprised? Yes. Honestly, because Mike Clevenger um, was on Trevor Bauer's podcast and said he became the leader of the Indian staff. And he was talking about how now that Corey Kluber's gone, that he has to be the head of the team. Like he has to do all the right things. So the guys follow behind him. And I was like, you know what? That's great. Like, I like to hear good from Mike Clevenger. But he threw Zach Plezak under the bus. So what happened is Plezak and Clevenger went out with Plezak's friends, right? Plezak had friends in Chicago. Not supposed to do it. Whatever. That's not even the worst of it. Plezak owned up to it, kind of, in front of the team. And then Clevenger um, kind of just threw the guy under the bus. He said, you know what, Plezak, you take the blame. I wasn't with you. I don't know anything about that. What? You literally were just saying that you were the leader of the team. And then, to make it worse, Zach Plezak goes on Instagram. He's recording while he's driving. First of all, not safe. Please don't do that. And he tried to justify his actions by saying that he was with friends and that he was obeying CDC protocol. Dude, yeah, congratulations, you obeyed CDC protocol, but you're getting paid millions of dollars. Actually, I don't know if he's making millions. You're getting paid a lot more money than all the rest of us to just follow rules, keep other guys safe. And then he goes, the media is evil for making him look bad. That is just disgusting. Like, you got to understand that there's other people at risk in your clubhouse, other people's families. Mike Clevenger has apologized. You know, all is well with him now. But he, you guys got to understand, Carlos Le- Carrasco, your teammate, literally was just recovering from leukemia. He had leukemia last year. He is still at risk to get sick from this. Zach Plezak just showed how immature he is, and it honestly makes me upset. The way he acted in that video he posted on Instagram, I'm scared we have another Antonio Brown situation coming up. Fingers crossed, hope we don't. All right, are we ready for the NL Player of the Week? If you don't know... Now you know. It's Chuck Nasty. Dude is hitting around 500. Are you freaking kidding me? Charlie Blackman. I don't care about the Coors Field effect. I, I, just, I just don't care. Like, if it's a thing, cool. If it's not, I don't care. Charlie Blackman's hitting 500 right now almost. He's hitting. He's leading the league in RBIs. He's tied right now. Um, 
He's just putting the ball in play. He's getting good hits. He's getting extra base hits. He's hitting home runs. Charlie Blackman is the best leadoff hitter in baseball. And if you want to argue with it, come at me. I'll post my I'll post my address for you. And now pitcher of the week, Denilson Lamette. Do you guys remember that name? That's the guy that I said was going to be the most important player for the San Diego Padres this year. You guys were sleeping. Everybody's like, who's that? Who's that? Lamette? Are you kidding me? Okay, well, he made the Diamondbacks look silly this week. 6.2 innings, one hit, one run, 11 strikeouts, and no walks. I said if he can control his walks, he'll be a great pitcher. Well, guess guess what he did? Six, 6.2 innings, one hit, one run, 11 strikeouts, and no walks, like I just said. This guy was the player I had on the most important player for the Padres. He's pitching great. They're playing great. And hold on, before we go to the AL... Don't you remember what I said about Corey Seager? I said Corey Seager was going to break out. He's going to be the Dodgers' most important bat in their lineup this year. And guess what? Corey Seager is having a phenomenal year. And guess what? The Dodgers are playing pretty good because Bellinger's hitting bad. And Mookie Betts is hitting three home run games. You know, Mookie Betts, kind of the GOAT. Now let's go into the AL. The player of the week. Do you know who it is? I think you should. Aaron Judge. You know, the big the big 6'9 guy that plays in New York uh, with Stanton. Kind of hits nuke shots. He's hitting the lace off the baseball right now. He leads the league in home runs and is second in RBIs to only Chuck Nasty. Who would have guessed? Aaron Judge, when healthy, is a top five player in baseball. You want to know why? Because he's also an amazing defender. The man is elite out there and right. And if anybody disagrees with that, honestly, you can go kick rocks because Aaron Judge is a top five player in baseball. You can say overrated all you want. You know what? I don't care. AL Pitcher of the Week? Guess who? Garrett Cole? No. What? Not Garrett Cole? No, not Garrett Cole. Um, Justin Verlander? Oh, wait, he's hurt. I'll just get to it. Dylan Bundy. What? <laughs> Dylan Bundy, the ex-ace of the Orioles? Yeah, yeah, that guy. He dismantled the red-hot Oakland A's. He made them look silly. Dylan Bundy. There's seven innings. Allowed four hits. One walk, no runs, 10 Ks. The Orioles let Dylan Bundy go. When the Orioles are letting you go, that means that you are scum. That means that you are trash. The Angels are like, you know what, we need an arm. Hey, Dylan Bundy, come here. They took him in. Honestly, 1.57 ERA so far. If you would have told me Dylan Bundy would have a 1.57 ERA in August, I would have been like, what? I know this is an odd season, but still. This guy was the ace in in Baltimore, but going to the Angels, no one expected him to have this type of year. This is absolutely insane from him. Dylan Bundy is showing out. So we've got our interview still, but I got a couple more things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the feel-good story of the week. Today's feel-good story of the week is brought to you by the San Francisco Giants. We're not a good baseball team, but we like to pretend we are. (laughs) This this week's feel-good story of the week is going to be Donovan Solano. So... Donovan Solano, shortstop for the San Francisco Giants, has been in pro baseball since 2005. He was drafted by the Cardinals at 17, and since then had played 451 games in the minors. He played in 12 different minor league cities, two different countries, and for five separate franchises. Donovan Solano was called up a couple times, nothing big. 2019, he got called up to replace Brandon Crawford when he got hurt. In 81 games, Solano hit 330 with four home runs. Where did this good where did this good play come from? Well, according to Solano, he had a deal with God and the deal was to continue working and persist and not give up when he opens a door. 
That's honestly really moving because Solano just shows the power of God and the fact that he's able to help us through our hardest fights and protrude us to victory. Because at 32 years old, Solano is breaking onto the scene. This season, he's hitting 458 and leads the MLB in doubles right now with nine. And his OPS plus, which an average hitter is 100, I'm pretty sure Christian Yelich is like 85. Donovan Solano's is 216 right now. That is absolutely outrageous. Next, let's check on our boy, Daniel Bard. You know the deal. Are you guys ready for these running stats of the 35-year-old that hadn't pitched in seven years? I'm going to say it over and over again. Daniel Bard, 3.6 ERA. Nine appearances, 10 innings, 12 strikeouts, and you know what? He's still throwing 99. Daniel Bard, absolute legend. Love to see it. Honestly, I want to meet the guy one day. I want to shake his hand, but just not my right hand because that one is still broken. But next, we're going to go into Mookie Betts. This is kind of off topic. I kind of just thought about this. Just you remember a couple weeks ago when Dodgers fans were saying, uh, yeah, Boston, you can have him back. It's the Boston to LA curse. Yeah, no. Mookie Betts is an absolute monster. Once again, Mookie Betts, his, his defense was always great. You know, you never had to worry about that. Ah, Mookie is playing center for the Dodgers, if I'm correct. Yeah, Mookie Betts is playing right and center right now for the Dodgers. Um, and he already has a 1.6 positive war. He went from hitting like 150, and now he's up to 319 with 7 bombs and 15 RBIs. Uh, Mookie only has one stolen base. Mookie, come on. <laughs> and I'm looking at his baseball almanac reference page. <laughs> And it says he won't be a free agent till 2033. This man is locked up forever. Shout out to Mookie Betts, though. He got his money. He's he's doing his thing out in L.A. now. Honestly, he loves it. You can tell. Um, and Craig Kimbrell. Uh, he came in and had his first scoreless outing of 2020. Craig Kimbrell threw one inning, uh, walked one guy. Uh, he had two Ks. Uh, Craig Kimbrell is back in prime form. Am I right? No. No, I'm not right. But Craig Kimbrell actually was throwing 98 to 99. He had a little heat on his fastball. He didn't listen to me and start throwing a two-seamer or a cutter, but he did start throwing harder again. And also, he's working on a changeup. So look out for Craig Kimbrell. Um, yeah, hopefully he gets a little bit better. I'm not surprised if he doesn't, but yeah, that's all. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Who's Hot and Who's Not. Who's Hot? The Baltimore Orioles. They won five straight. Who's on the Orioles? Who knows? And who cares? I know they have a guy named Santander on their roster just because it looks like Salamander and I see his name in MLB The Show. Um, Rockies are 12-6. and six. Cubs are 12-4 and four at this moment. They're hot. The Twins, uh, they were on a little losing streak recently, actually. Let me look at the Twins' record. Yeah, the Twins are now 12-7, and and they're taking on the Royals, who have been their kryptonite early. The Kansas City Royals torched the Twins. I'm pretty sure they swept them in a three-game series. Uh, quote me on that. That's actually factual. Let's go in and look at the other standings. We got the Yankees at 13-6. and six. Surprise, surprise. Not really. The Yankees are great. They're 6-6 six and six on the road, though, so... <laughs> Let's get them on the road. Let's get those center field cameras and those Apple Watches out of there, right? They're 7-0 at home, 6-6 six and six on the road. I mean, maybe they're cheating. Orioles, 11-8, like I said. Those bad boys, they can hit. Not really. In third place, we've got the Tampa Bay Rays. No surprise. Love those guys. <laughs> I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. 7-9, the Buffalo Blue Jays. Love to see it. Good guys out there. <laughs> the Red Sox are 6-14. and 14. They suck. The Red Sox have been really, really bad. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about them. Twins, like I said, good. Indians, you know, 11-9. and nine. Their pitchers are scumbags. 
Tigers are still above 500. White Sox above 500. Royals 8 and 11. Who cares? Um, Athletics 14 and 6. They've been hot. Good for them. Rangers 9 and 9. Astros below 500. Thank God, no one likes you. Angels seven and thirteen, yeah, okay. And the Mariners really cooled off, and now they're seven and fourteen. Not surprising there. Marlins still in the lead of the uh, NL East, nine and four. Yeah, I really don't know what to say about them. They're playing really good, I guess. Uh, Braves eleven and ten. They'll 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 heat up. Mets nine and twelve. Okay, let me tell you about the Mets. Let's get on a Mets rant real quick. They lost to the Phillies. The Phillies just got swept by the Orioles. That that basically means the Mets are the worst team in baseball, right? Yeah, that's what I'm going with. The Nationals seven and ten. Um, the offense just isn't the same anymore. Max Scherzer has looked all right. He's looked a little hittable. Uh, they'll bounce back. Phillies six and nine. They honestly have the worst bullpen in baseball. Um, yeah, I. I can't watch the Phillies. Like I said, fourth place Phillies. Well, they're actually the fifth place Phillies. Sorry. The Marlins are the first place team, and the Phillies are now the fifth place team. Like I said, fourth place Phillies. They'll probably end up around fourth. I think the Marlins will end up in third or fourth or fifth. So, yeah, Phillies will be a fourth place team. NL Central, Cubs are 13-4. and four. Like I said, superb starting pitching. Bullpen. <laughs> uh, but other than that, yeah, offense has been good. Reds, 9-11. and 11. Uh, They've been honestly really odd. They're doing what the Reds always do. They disappoint. They're a disappointing team. They're just like the Phillies. Brewers, 8-10. and 10. Last night, I got to see their bullpen. Insane. Josh Hader, I hate you. You're so good. You have luscious locks. He throws a great hater. Like a heater? A hater? Yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out to Josh Hader. Shout out to the Brewers. They'll, they'll be all right. The Cardinals, huh. Surprise, surprise. They're still 2-3. and three. They play in about one and a half hours, so we'll see what happens there. The Pirates, 4-14. Four and 14. If you said you were surprised, I would say I'm not. Um, I actually predicted them to be decent this year, like 24th, 25th in my standings, and they're looking like the worst team in baseball, so that's not that surprising. And out in the NOS, like I said, the Dodgers, they've jumped up to first place. Corey Seager has been hitting the ball. Dustin May, that man is filthy. If he doesn't have a good career as a starter, that man could definitely be a closer. Because if he's pumping 99 as a starter with that wipeout slider, imagine what he could do as a closer. Like, he come out throwing 103, like he's the right-handed Chapman with the slider that's just absolutely fall off the table. That'd be kind of sick. I'd like to see Dustin May in the closer role. Second place, the Rockies, Daniel Bard carrying him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we got Trevor Story out there smashing the baseball. Charlie Blackman smashing the baseball. Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado. That's all you got to say about him. That's the tweet. Nolan Arenado. Third place, the Padres. They've looked really, really good. Um, They've also looked really, really bad. Uh, They're a hot and cold team, but I think they'll be all right. I think they're about where they're going to finish third or fourth place. Fourth place, honestly, the most disappointing team in baseball, in my opinion, the Diamondbacks. This team, they're supposed to be really good. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, when they get to the trade deadline, they sell. Do what they do. Just keep getting that prospect, that farm system up and up. Um, pray for Cattell Marche. And like I said, the team that poses as a good team, the San Francisco Giants are in last, 8-13. and 13. Okay, now let me, let me stop myself because they are a nitty-gritty team, and I love to see nitty-gritty. But they lead Major League Baseball in errors. You want to know why? Because Gabe Kapler is their manager. Why does that matter? Well, Gabe Kapler is an awful manager. 
Let's just get started. Let's talk about the way he managed the Phillies bullpen last year. Now, the Phillies weren't a great team to start with. They had the talent, but they just don't click. Gabe Kapler was the reason for that. This man is an awful manager. Get him out of baseball right now. Sorry, Gabe Kapler fans, if there's any of you. You you suck. You're awful at your job. You are like the girl at McDonald's that says the ice cream machine is broken when it's really not broken. You're just being trash. Yeah, that, I, I said it. I said it. I compared Gabe Kapler, Gabe Kapler to a McDonald's worker. Let's go over some guys who I want to see traded at the deadline. I want Whit Merrifield traded. Whit Merrifield needs to be traded now. And I'm only saying that because I'm looking at the Kansas City Royals. Whit Merrifield needs to be dealt to a contender. Whit Merrifield is under a $3 million contract to be a top 30 player in baseball. Man hits, man runs, man plays good defense. I like Whit Merrifield, and I think he belongs somewhere better. Um, Next, Robbie Ray. Get him out of Phoenix. Um, you can probably get something good for him because he throws hard and he, he's a good lefty. So get him out of Arizona. Get him to a better place. Maybe he'll perform better. And if not, uh, you got to steal with some good picks. Picks. Prospects. Sorry, this isn't the NBA. Let's go to the Cleveland Indians. Francisco Lindor. You guys aren't going to re-sign him. You guys are very, very, very cheap. Trade him to the Cubs. We'll take him. We'll give you... Uh, We'll give you Chris Bryant. How about that? No, seriously. Trade Lindor. Trade him to a contender. The man belongs playing in the field. Uh, he's super exciting. He belongs playing on a team that's going to respect his talent and give him the bag that he deserves. All right, the Seattle Mariners, they need to trade Kyle Seager. Trade him to LA. I want to see the Seager brothers in the same infield. That'd be kind of fun. But get Kyle Seager out. The man, he's a pretty good hitter, decent defender. He's a lefty killer, even though he's a left-handed batter, and I love to see it. You love a guy that reverses the curse, I guess. I don't know. The Mets, um, honestly, just anybody good, anybody good you have left, get Jacob deGrom out of New York. Uh, Jacob deGrom belongs on a good team. Um, Jacob deGrom cannot... Uh, Jacob DeGrom does not deserve to live with that bullpen anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, shout out to Jacob DeGrom. Uh, the Marlins, I mean, they're winning right now. But, honestly, I'd like to see them trade Jonathan VR just because that guy can rake. Um, yeah, trade Jonathan VR. Get him on a good team. Unless you guys keep contending, then then you keep him, all right? The Pirates, uh, it's time for you to trade Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove's a solid pitcher. I mean, he's not too bad. He could be a helpful pitcher on a contender. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for watching. Uh, please be sure to check out our socials, Small Ball Pod on Instagram, Small Ball Pod on Twitter, even though I don't use the Twitter. Um, if I get if we get five followers after this episode, I will start using the Twitter. It's at Small Ball Pod. Thank you all so much for watching. Um, I really hope you enjoyed the interview, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you have a good one. Peace.